Hey friend, I'm Laura Lee and welcome to Living in the Light. Each week, I will sit down with a friend who is an artist or creative as they share their story of how Jesus brought them from the dark and into His glorious and powerful light. At the end of each episode, I'll be diving into a passage of scripture and bringing you truth straight from the Word of God. This is a space for you to be encouraged and to remember that your story matters and that with God, even the broken parts of your story can have incredible purpose and meaning. I'm here to bring real life to light. I'm so honored to have on the show today Broadway performer, speaker, author, Bible teacher, Miss Allison Allen. Allison believes in the power of storytelling. She delights in the thrill of walking in the shoes of others. And more than anything, she lives her life spotlighting the ultimate storyteller, Jesus. Allison graduated from the prestigious acting program at Carnegie Mellon University and soon after booked Broadway in the revival of Grease the Musical, where she performed 650 performances in the infamous Eugene O'Neill Theater over the course of two years. As a performer, Allison has found great joy in playing Shakespearean roles, and she loves the musical theater classics. She's the real deal, you guys. But it doesn't stop there. Allison has continued to weave her gifts of storytelling into ministry through Bible teaching, writing, and speaking to women of faith all across the country at conferences and churches. Allison performed as the Women of Faith dramatist and created original one-woman pieces, which she performed for over 200,000 women in arenas across the country. She loves helping equip rising leaders and performers to find unique and intriguing ways to tell their own stories. She's mentored and encouraged me in more ways than she knows, and I am so excited to share her with you today. Allison, welcome to the show. Oh my goodness, Laura Lee. It is such an honor to be with you today. I'm, I'm so excited to jump in. What a special privilege it is to have some of your time today, to get to sit under your leadership and your wisdom and your teaching and to just hear more of your story. Um, as I was thinking about our conversation, I just thought this could last for several hours if we wanted it to, because there's just so many questions I want to ask you. So I'm going to try not to waste any time today so that we can hear as much as we can from you. I want to start by talking a little bit about your love for storytelling. It's so amazing to me that you have been able to use your gifts in the performing arts in so many different capacities. So, Allison, when did you first fall in love with storytelling, and how have you seen that love evolve and grow throughout your career and your walk with the Lord? Oh, that's such a wow, it's such a great question. I you know, I think I fell in love with story, Laura Lee, when I fell in love with Christ. And it kind of happened in a very um, unusual way. At least I think it was a bit unusual. In the early 70s, there was um, a musical that swept the pop culture called Godspell. Everybody knows yes. Godspell and Day by Day, and, you know, By My Side and all those things. And I was a kid living in Katy, Texas. And I don't know if my dad got the album first or I saw the made-for-TV version of Godspell. But yeah. somewhere in amongst that exposure, I just became completely enthralled with this man, Jesus. And I... 
you know, and I just have all these memories of staring at the album and begging my dad to um, play day by day. And I think it really started there. So what's really um, what's been really interesting kind of as I've prepped for our conversation is yeah. is looking back and seeing how. Jesus, um, from the very beginning, was using the theater, first of all, to reach my heart, and Whoa. then to launch me into this life of storytelling, be it in the theater, be it Bible teaching, be it doing one-woman dramas. And of course, I always think, um, in terms of what the goal of storytelling is, you know, we think a lot of times we tell stories and they're not true. But as believers, we're telling the truest story ever told, you yeah, know? Yeah. And so I, I think it's just incredible the creativity that Christ brings to us as artists that in one season we might be um, standing in the spotlight and another season we might be running the spotlight, but we're all, we're all um, pointing ultimately to the ultimate storyteller. So that's, that's just kind of how I think of my development uh, in, in loving story. Wow, I wish you could see me right now because I just have the biggest smile on my face. Aww. I just have chill bumps thinking about <laughs> I feel your smile. I oh, feel you it. feel it at the yes, I technology. Feel it. Glad you yes. can feel it. Um, oh. but yeah, that's not that's not a part of um a lot of people's story that they literally found Jesus through a story right. about Jesus. I mean, right. through like a musical story about Jesus' life. So that is wow, that's awesome. Mm-mm. And Allison, it's easy to think that there's one path as an artist and God has taken you on such a wild adventure with him mm-hmm. and sharing him with the world. It's unbelievable. And all using your passions and your purposes through the gift of storytelling. And I just think like for the listener, when listening to your resume, it might be easy for mm-hmm. someone to think that you had everything all together, but I can't imagine the surrender, the closed doors, and the obscurity that was woven into all of that. And here on this podcast, I say we bring real life to light. So Allison, would you pull back the curtain for us and share maybe what you've learned about God through your journey as an artist? How have you seen him guide and direct you in ways that you couldn't have imagined in the beginning? Oh my goodness. Um, the, the answer to that, Laura feels like a huge bale of hay, you know, that I, that yeah, I try totally. to get my arms around it. It's like, okay, what part of the story? I mean, I, I think there, there are two components, uh, two, two answers to your question. And one is that Jesus has very much revealed himself to me in my career and then even in ministry. And I think career is ministry, but you know what I'm saying, kind of the outflow of the storytelling I feel like primarily the Lord has uh, revealed himself to me, again, through a metaphor that we, or a, a function that we have in the theater, which is the director. And in my own life, I've had some great directors and I've had some, you know, mediocre directors. We've all had different levels of directors, but I've never had the type of director that I've had in Christ. And And when I say director, what I mean is, my life in different seasons has been extremely hidden. You know what I mean? I've been like off in the wings. And then there's been other seasons, there have been other seasons where I've maybe been 
at center stage. And I was, I was thinking, Lord, that's kind of ebby and flowy. And what it all comes down to is trusting the director and, and trusting the seasons that he has for our, our life and that for every season that we're in, there's a reason. And, and even more so, because I've got a few more years down the road than, than you and, and, and as you are beginning this career and this adventure with Jesus, and that, Jesus, that even rejection serves an incredible purpose. It, it serves an incredible purpose. It, it can be protective it can be the Lord saying, hey, it's not time yet to step into that thing. One of the um, funny stories that came to mind and I was, as I was thinking about our time today was when I got Greece, I actually was called in for another audition uh, with Tommy Toon, who was producing this other show. And the reason I think they called me in is because they were looking for tall girls and I roll at like 512, you know, yeah. I'm six feet and bare feet. I'm one of those super tall, unusual musical theater girls. And, uh, and I, I went in and I sang my songs and, and it was so clear that I was not right for the show that they were casting. Okay. Cause the dance, the dance level was, was far too high. And I was more of an actor singer, but I'll never forget the moment. Like he, he came out and talked to me in the foyer and I was totally starry-eyed, but, but he said, you know, we don't think you're right for this show, but we do think you're right possibly for the revival of Greece. Mm. And I think that's a great, that's a great analogy in, in that we can say to, to the Lord, Lord, I trust you. I trust you with the rhythms of my life. I trust you with the seasons of my life. I trust you for when I'm uh, fully on display and when I'm a bit hidden. And so that's been a way, if that makes sense, that the Lord has walked me through the various stages of my life. Um, and then I would also say, uh, Larley, even more kind of tenderly for me, is that in every... Um, permutation of ministry, be it theater or writing books or, or whatever, Jesus has been relentless in revealing himself to me as the redeemer, the redeemer and the healer. And I, I know that like most folks in the theater, um, we often carry uh, outsized uh, beauty and creativity, but running alongside that, we often have outsized brokenness and wounding. And so in some ways, um, my own story generally is that uh, I, I was a kid growing up who um, had kind of a serious uh, run-in with mean, which, you know, kind of makes me laugh because you're, you're a mean girl, you know, but, but a bit of bullying, okay? And so, so it made me want to be invisible, it made me want to be small. It made me want to, frankly, disappear. It made me want to be anything other than a gawky six-foot weird theater kid. You know what I'm saying? Like, always on the outside, always looking for a seat at the lunch table. And that was a wound, believe it or not, that wound of rejection, that wound of disbelonging or not belonging was a wound that I carried all the way through my life, even when I discovered I was a little bit gifted at theater, even when I went to Carnegie Mellon, and honestly, even when I stood on the Broadway stage, and even when I stood on the Women of Faith stage. And as I look back, wow. I see that God was using moments of exposure. In other words, moments of risk. Like, Allison, I know you want to be invisible. 
I know you want to disappear. Yeah. I won't allow it. And so therefore, mm. we're going to step out into this light, you know? And as you do, you're going to learn to trust me more and more that I actually take the weakest place you have and it attracts my strength and my glory. Amen. You know? And it's a risky thing. Yeah. It's a faith thing. But I would just say, I mean, I could go on and on about that because if I have a life message, it's that one right there. But I think that's how God has revealed himself to me um, to your original question through the art is that he has been the ultimate director, but he's been the ultimate healer every step of the way. Wow. That's the heart of God, isn't it? Just he desires to take those weak parts of us and say, that's where I do my best work. And right. Wow, that's right. Just, yeah. It's so powerful. I'm Allison. Yeah. You, like you said, I'm still at the beginning of my career and, um, you know, I haven't experienced as many seasons of you, as you have of seeing God's faithfulness, but I've seen a couple and, <laughs> um, and it just continues to blow me away that he uses and purposes each of those seasons. Like you said, that, that rejection was protection and provision for right. the next job he had for you. And That's he wanted right. you in that room to it not to be right so the next thing was right and it's just exactly. there's so much about his omniscience and his ability to know more than us that um just brings so much peace in mm -hmm. in a career like the performing arts now um in the first several months of being in new york city rejection was a pretty present part of my day-to-day -day life I mean you know it is mm -hmm. it is a big part of our day-to-day -day life as actors and I just think back to my time in college and um, your book Thirsty for More where you talk about desert seasons that was not something that I was familiar with before <laughs> uh, before college before I experienced it's not the, the way to sell a book either it's like yeah. come to the desert season yeah. and discover what God is doing <laughs> but like do, do any of us know what a desert season is until you're in the middle of a desert right. and you're like okay I got to figure out what's happening here but that's um, right I just remember like being on my face and mm. needing mm. reassurement that God had good on the other side of that Absolutely. valley. And you just, in that book, you taught me so much about, um, mm -hmm. and God used you and your voice of how he works through um, those periods of nothingness, of waiting, yeah. of yeah. just finding a desperate need for God um, yeah. to see our need for him and to just grow intimately closer to his love. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes, like, Larley is hearing you and kind of going back to my own collegiate experience and kind of moving into New York City. You know, I, I didn't know either the desert seasons that I would walk into and out of. And you can think of a desert season kind of like a drought season or a dry season where there's just kind of... There feels like there's this great distance between you and the Lord, even though there isn't. You know, he's closer than our breath, but I think somehow our felt, tangible sense of him in those seasons can feel a little bit removed. And um, I think many of us have felt like we've been in a desert even this year with COVID and quarantine and the normal rhythms and the normal community has been lost. And 
One of the things looking back on those early years and even some other seasons in my own life is how many times I've gone into and out of the desert season with Christ. And I don't think there's ever been a time when I'm on the outside of the desert, you know, when I've come through that experience with him that I didn't look at it and go, oh my goodness, I would not live it again. Like I wouldn't sign up for another go round, but there is nothing to compare with the blessings that you brought in the desert season. And that's, that's kind of why I wrote the book because I knew that God himself was reframing difficulty, dryness and drought. And he was actually saying in effect, kind of, kind of, I guess what he says in the minor prophet Hosea, where he says, I'm going to actually allure her into the desert that I might speak tenderly to her, you know? And I always, maybe you're, I don't know, maybe you had this a similar misunderstanding, but before God reframed the desert for me, I always thought it was related to disobedience somehow. You know, I'd, I'd done something wrong and displeased God, and so His presence seemed far. And what I'm realizing is in the Old Testament, no, he actually says there's some things that dwell inside your heart that you're not even aware of. They're rolling around at the bottom of your heart and they're actually running the show, Allison. And you have no awareness of them. And they're, they're creating havoc and damage in ways that you can't see. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to allure you into this dry desert place so that the hot conditions of the desert bring those things up. And because I just think Jesus is not afraid ever of what's really inside us, Laura Lee. You know, you see it in John 4 with the woman at the well and the heat of the day. And for me, um, this last desert season that I went into, which was actually when I had to uh, do bed rest for, for months and months and months to have my child at 41. I was a, a, an old mama there. Um, what I realized, you know, I was carrying um, so much unprocessed grief from the death of my mother. And I was also carrying, I'm not proud of it, but I was carrying significant unforgiveness, significant. And I don't, I don't think I would have ever stopped long enough had God not allured me into the desert season and said, you're gonna sit on this couch, kind of dry, boring, drought, desert nothingness. And actually you and I are gonna speak tenderly and uh, redemptively about the things that are actually going on. And I'm telling you, once I saw that on the backside of the experience, I thought, oh my gosh, I don't know that we could have ever gotten there save by going through the desert. And then he says in Isaiah, what is it, 43, 19, I am doing a new thing. Right. Right. Uh. And you know, it's funny. I always kind of joke like, you're too young for this. But in the 80s, like doing a new thing was like the thing. Like it was, you know, it was like in every song and every T-shirt. Really? And, oh, that's yeah, funny. and it was like, God is doing a new thing. Like, and, and I always make the joke, like if I prayed for you in the 1980s or like when I was on the mission field for a short period of time, it was that. It was like, behold, I'm doing a new thing. Do not perceive it. You know, therefore it springs up in your midst. But what I had never seen in one of the Isaiah scriptures um, is that the new thing he's doing is making a way in the desert. 
I disconnected it. I just thought it was, you know, and then I wrote this book and I thought, oh my gosh, all these years. What I didn't see was that you were actually saying in the driest place, streams are rising up, like provision is rising up and healing is rising up. And so um, I love that you brought up that verse that always brings back so many funny memories. And if I prayed for you in the 1980s, I apologize for <laughs> throwing that verse around a lot. <laughs> Allison, I want to talk about identity Okay. Uh, identity rooted in Christ. Why, why is that just so mm. vital for us as followers of Jesus? And how has that changed everything for you in your life? Well, I think it's vital because without it, we kind of go through life um, playing characters. I, I, I think, I think, um, I think actors aren't the only one who play. Uh, only folks who play characters. I think we're all pretty adept as human beings, you know what I mean, at walking into the room, and particularly as women, perhaps, and figuring out who we have to be, um, how we have to act, so to speak, to be accepted. And I think that is settling for something so much smaller than the abundant free life that Jesus came to give us. So I think it's vital because if we don't allow the Lord to root us deeply in our identity in Him, then we, we live our life um, dancing around in character shoes. And honestly, uh, Laura Lee, that's how God spoke to me about identity. It, it was, it, again, it was this metaphor um, of Jesus whispering to my heart when I kind of came running back to him around 19 when I was at Carnegie Mellon and kind of came back home, had a, had a significant season of running and then came back to Christ um, just because there were some really bold classmates that said before we were doing a Greek, you know, some Greek tragedy, do you want to pray? And it, it just, that one invitation, I mean, we just don't know when that one ask, that one invitation is going to change everything and it changed everything for me. Um, but in that season, the Lord began to speak to me gently but firmly um, in my own, the quiet of my own heart that I had become a better actor off the stage than I ever was on it. And that I live my life in character shoes. And you know, as actors, we know what character shoes are, right? They're the boring black or tan shoe that you can be Lady Macbeth or Sandy or Karen, you wear all the time. You can play any character. They're built to keep the show going. And Jesus kind of gently said to me, you know what, Allison, in your actual life and in your spiritual life, you've walked those character shoes right off the stage, right into your life, and it's actually time to take them off. And maybe, perhaps the greatest act of faith for me uh, then and still daily, because I mean, we all know that the healing of Christ goes on and on and on, is daring to take the character shoes off. And so for me, I had to, to be rooted in Christ, Laura Lee. I had to take something off first, right? Which were the character shoes. And then I had to put something on. And putting the thing that, that I put on, if I could describe it in a nutshell, it's that I, I lived... I lived to learn, I'm sorry, I learned to live, rather, I learned to live on book. Mm. And actors know what that means, right? Like you, you go into your, you get it, right? You get your script for me and girls, you go in and for the first rehearsals, usually on what? Book, right? 
And, and you don't add anything to the playwright's words, right? You don't take anything away. And you're, I mean, especially if you're doing classical work or Shakespeare, right? Like you don't, you don't change a thing. You don't change a comma. And so for me, after I took off the character shoes, it was like he said, put on living in my scripture, put on living on book. And, um, his word truly is active. It's living. It divides. It pierces. It heals. It corrects. And I think that those are the two sources um, or the two ways that the Lord began to root my identity more deeply in Him because you and I know, especially in the performing arts world, I mean, I see it with the kids I coach, Larley. We live and die, or we, even as believers, we can live and die by the latest review the latest role, the latest callback, the latest feedback, right? Audition, right? Some friends getting it and we're not. And so we're comparing ourselves and contrasting. And I think the Lord to really fully use us in the areas of risk and luminosity and calling that he has for us, we have to disconnect from that and connect to him. And then as we do that, we're actually more free to be deployed into the places that he has for us. Wow. Gosh, that is so anyway. <laughs> deployed into the plate. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. It's so good. Yeah. Well, I just, I, I just know what it's like to run around and spend your life looking at everybody else saying, tell me who I am. I just, I, I know that painful place. Exhausting. It's exhausting. And we get it. We're exhausted from staying in character all the time. And the Lord is saying, uh, there's there's a better way. There's a a better source, and actually, there's a happier life. You know, yeah, happier life, full of joy. Yes, Allison, do you know how I first connected with you? Because if not, I have a little story. I think I have hints of it, but I would like to hear the whole story again. Okay, so I was just reminiscing on just the first time that your voice uh, came into my life, and it was. About two years ago, around this time, because I was on fall break from college, and I'd come home with two of my best friends, and as best friends do, we stopped by Mardell's bookstore to I love that. get a couple new books for our break, and it was there that I came across your book, Shine, in the dollar book sales section. We love the dollar book <laughs> sales that. section at that's Mardell's. Favorite. See, that's evidence that God could use anybody anywhere. He, <laughs> he does, and for that broke college student budget, it was just exactly what I was like, yes, I need this and it just felt like that book I know it was uh, a divine appointment for me because I just looked at it and I'm, I'm sitting here reading about how it's theater and artistry and shining the light of Christ and I was like yep I'm picking this up so oh. I don't know right then and there I went home and start re- started reading it with my friends and Um, God just planted some seeds of vision and passion inside of me um, as a performing artist who was just passionate about Jesus. And um, you really affirmed my desire to step into my grand purpose as a storyteller, as well as a disciple maker and a child of God. You spoke my, and you've done some of it today. And I know the listener is just just melting with the anal- the beautiful analogies that you have about God's word and being an artist, but you just spoke to my theater nerd and <laughs> articulated our calling in the kingdom with such compelling 
compelling storytelling. So I could keep going on and on because I'm a fan of you. Oh my gosh. I love that, Laura Lee. That's so amazing. You said in your book, Shine, that's the name of the book I picked up, that it was your love letter to women in the kingdom who feel exhausted from staying in character all the time. And that's a little bit about what we just talked about. Yeah. But Allison, how did you come to believe that Jesus's light was your calling and and that you were a part of his story? I think by allowing the Lord to work more deeply in my life, um, the virtue might be too strong a word, but the maybe the disciplines of flexibility um, and humility. And um, th- this is this is kind of how I, I think about it. I think there's there's not a person on earth who doesn't at some point think like, as we've talked about earlier, like, where do I fit? Where do I belong? Where's my place? Do I have a place? And I think that one of the things that has been so tender to me is that the Lord has continued to whisper to my heart that I have a place in the kingdom. And when we're in Christ, we have a place in the kingdom. And again, he used a metaphor um, from the theater that I think we'll all kind of understand, especially if, if the folks listening are performing artists at all. It's like one of the most important calls before that curtain goes up is what? It's, it's places. It's places. It's places. And, you know, when you're in the cast, that director has, has spent time and thought and care setting you at the most advantageous place to tell the grand story. Right. And, you know, for Greece, my place, I, I was we did this kind of operatic we go together thing at the beginning. And I remember I was way up on this weird bench and hunched over. And that was my place when I'm doing something where I don't enter to the second act. My place is that I'm still in the dressing room or I might be in the wing. I might be waiting in the wings or I might be at the back of the house. If I was playing Lynch that night, it, I came from the back of the house with a big old whistle. And so different places um, but but all the same purpose. And so I think that that's what I mean when I say flexibility, Laura Lee. It's like some of some of experiencing and knowing that you have a place in Christ is being willing to take our hearts and our desires and our dreams and our hopes and put them in our hands and lift them high t- to the Lord, the ultimate director, and say, this is what I desire, Father, but I'm so open and flexible in the way that you want to pour this back out to me. You know what I'm saying? And that that my place may shift depending on where you say it needs to be. And then I was thinking about um, the power of humility um, in in trying to clearly define uh, our calling or our place, if that makes sense. And I think sometimes, I do anyway, we we wrongly um, equate uh, the lack of place with people as being a lack of place with Jesus. And one of the things I've learned kind of the hard way, there may be times in our lives where we don't have a quote unquote place with other people, right? I mean, that happens, right? In friendships and caste and rejection or whatever. And that may be the case, but but the lie that we, it's a lie that we need to challenge that that means we don't have a place with God. And we need to replace it 
with the truth of scripture, which is you have a place with God. And I, I right before we hopped on, um, and I just want to share this with you, uh, and I'm so glad you asked this question, but um, there was there were a couple of scriptures like rolling around in my heart and, and a couple of words. And specifically, it was the story of Mephibosheth. And, you know, he gets invited to the king's table. He's, he's lame in his feet. And, you know, we usually hear that story told uh, in regards to the kindness of the king to invo invite brokenness to the king's table and that his brokenness is hidden under the covering of the king's table, which of course, you know, foreshadows, right? The, the gift of Jesus, the gift of salvation. But rolling around in my heart and mind was, but Mephibosheth was from somewhere. Where was he from? And I, I, I thought, oh my gosh, he's from Lodabar. And I, I looked up Lodabar and it means coming from a place where there is no pasture. In other words, Mephibosheth, the king went and got Mephibosheth when he was living in a land of no place. No place, no pasture. And I feel like the Lord, in the most intimate and tender ways, whether we're like 22, you know, and just starting out on Broadway, or whether we're rolling up on, you know, we got a lot more gray hairs than we want, <laughs> you know, that he is ever and always coming to search us out, to find us in the places where we think, I don't have a place, I don't belong, and taking us into his heart in intimacy through himself and through script, the scripture, which points ultimately back to him and whispering in our ears, you have a place, you have a place. Because this world, Laura Lee, more than almost anything else, will tell you you are nothing, and you don't fit and you don't belong. And the hope of the gospel is um, that, that in Christ we have everything and we have a seat at the table with our name on it. I know that many listeners might not believe that they have a light in Christ or that their story matters and is purposed for great things. What would you say to the listener who may ask, I don't know what it means to find my light in Christ? Mm. Well, first I, I, I kind of hearken back to what, what, is it, what did it mean for me to, to find my light in Christ? I go all the way back to... Um, the first lead I ever played was Charity and Sweet Charity, okay? And she's on stage the whole time. And um, we blocked it, yada, yada, yada. I was young, I was in high school. We went into Tech Week, and uh, during Tech Week, they hit me with a big old bright spotlight, okay? And I was supposed to be, you know, in the place where I was blocked to be by the director so the spot could pick me up. Well, I was, I don't know, I was off by like a country mile, Okay, and when I scooched over into the light, like I, you, you know what it means when they say, make sure you're finding your light, feel your light, right? And, and I had to scooch over four or five feet, and even when I hit the light, it, it was blinding. I mean, I felt like I was a deer in headlights. I felt so exposed. So one of the things I think um, that we grow in as Christians and Christian artists is that we find our light in Christ sometimes, Laura Lee, by standing in places that are not our light. 
In other words, places where God has not ordained us or called us to be, right? Where there's no grace for what we're trying to do. And we kind of go, okay, that's, that's maybe not the place that he's deploying me. Um, but in terms of um, some tips or some of the ways God's worked with me to help me find the light uh, in my own life, I, w- I would just share um, with you a couple things. Um, I think you got to pay attention to what um, loosens your tongue, And here's what I mean. You need to pay attention to what good God thing you could talk about forever, okay? Because that might be an indicator that that is a place where the Lord is calling you. Um, I remember I was at an event one time and I was talking to a gal right after sound check and we got into conversation and I mean, Laura Lee, she started talking about what she wanted to do to um, help women who'd been rescued out of uh, sex trafficking. And I mean, she went on and on and on. And even though she was a youth leader at the time, she knew and I knew that God was about to call her to a new place, a new light, if you will. So she, so some of that was passion, right? Pay, playing, paying attention to that. Um, I think the other thing that most... Um, tenderly to me is to look out for the places where you experience what I call, I call in the book, the holy rub. And here's what I mean. It's a place of natural gifting. All right. Cause most, most of the time the Lord does not call people who are tone deaf to be singers, right? He doesn't, <laughs> he doesn't call like trauma surgeons to be, people to be trauma surgeons who faint at the sight of blood, right? So there, there does have to be a natural, I believe, a natural ability or affinity for a thing. But a lot of times running up alongside that will be a place of need or lack. And, and those two things kind of rub up against each other and they make the perfect resting place for God's strength. And so I think... Um, what, what jumps to the forefront of my mind would be Moses. You know, he's got these natural gifts of leadership and shepherding, right? But he's got this, he's got a stutter. He's got a stutter. And we don't have to go too deep into the text or whatever, but basically Moses gives him three or four excuses as to why he is not the guy. And God addresses every single one of them. And basically at the end of the encounter says, look, Bring who you are. I'm going to bring who I am. Those two things are going to rub up against each other. That's a holy rub. And it's going to make music. And here we go. Let's go. When you begin to speak, even with a stammering tongue, your word will move heaven, earth, and hell, and my people will go free. So I think what, what I always tell people when I talk about this is I am not saying the calling of Jesus should hurt. That is not what I'm saying. You know what I mean? There's not this... I'm not advocating um, a martyrdom syndrome. That's not what I'm talking about. But I do believe that in our places of light and our places of deepest calling in Christ, there will always be a place of weakness or lack where we must depend on him. Because in that way, then he gets the glory. And it goes all the way back to when I said, why, Lord, would you call a kid who all her life, all she wanted to do was disappear to be on stage? It, it, it is so that your glory can shine forth. And so, and then I also, of course, think of what we're told at the end of the scripture, you know, go ye therefore into all the earth and make disciples. Like, and the way that we do that, the, the unique and multicolored and 
um, multidimensional ways that the Lord allows us to do it may change over time, but ultimately that's the end game. That's the purpose. And that, that's, that's to me at least um, what it has meant to find my light in Christ and to move when, when the director says, hey, the light's moved or you don't need to stand in that light right now. It's time to make room for someone else. You know, it's somebody else's turn. So those are just just some lessons, I guess, in how the Lord has um, helped me find my light in Christ. And it's still going on to this day. Yeah. And you and I both know that God just has so much adventure and good. I, I've just been meditating on that recently, that He has, He loves us so much that He has good things for those who love Him. And um, I think it's easy to want to settle for living small when we um, are made for more and for a kingdom that's greater than this world. I just think that many people listening may have a lot of fear, Allison, of living out their purpose and sharing his light with the world and stepping into their light that he's purposed for them, like you said. Why do you think so many followers of Christ hide their light instead of letting it shine? Um. I, I think I think too many of us are um, emotionally and um, maybe even spiritually kind of standing in the, the shadows and peeking through the side curtains of the stage. And we're, we're kind of watching these monumental God stories unfold somewhere out there under the lights. You know, like these stories that we... Um, we ache to join stories exactly what you said that are bigger than us, that spark faith and, and kindle hope. And they're actually stories that we kind of suspect on the inside that Jesus has made us for. Um, but you're right, something can come in there and totally kind of block, block that way, block our experience. And I think it's kind of, a, a, I think what's worming its way down into us is a lie. And it's a lie that says to us, you know what, it's better to remain safely shadowed than to ever step out into the light and dare to shine for Christ. I think it's a lie that says, look, it doesn't really matter if you do, Laura Lee, okay, because anybody else will do in a pinch, a lie. Um, it's a lie that says any uh, truly uh, humble Christian woman or man would demure and hold the curtain open for someone else, all right? It's a lie that says, um, if you come to the party, would you please, please, please come as anybody but yourself, which is the whole character shoe story. And it's exhausting, right? And I think that when you boil it down, the lie is kind of composed equally of fear and shame, you know? And, and I think they've been, in my own life, relentless in telling me, like, not stepping into the story that God has for me is far safer and far better than ever daring to risk with Jesus, but I don't think, I guess when, when you say folks are struggling with fear and I get that, I get that every day, but I think the greatest antidote to fear is not really to wait on our emotions to line up and be unafraid. I think the greatest antidote to fear if you're waiting in the wings and you know the Lord has called you to step out and to shine for him, you know, to be a, a Matthew, I think it's 516 kind of woman, let your light so shine before men or man, right? That the, that the, that the antidote to that is to move. Take a step. Follow him. Even if you're shaking every step of the way, 
you know, because I think once you get out there with him on the God stage, so to speak, you know, and you take that light, then you go, oh, my heavenly stars, this is it. You, this is it. This is what I was made for. Right. You and me in this light. And I know it's not easy and I'm not trying to cheapen. Um, I've been mowed down by anxiety and fear. I know what it's like to like hide in the wings, like shaking in my boots. But there's something about just taking that step. And I mean, just a small step. You don't have to run. You know, you don't have to grand jeté onto the stage, right? You just step. And then we follow a savior that is never going to leave us, never going to forsake us. And he's right there with us. So I hope that encourages anybody that's... um, you know, maybe fearful of stepping into what the Lord has for them today, you know? Yeah. I read a quote this morning. It was on Jenny Allen's podcast of Jill Briscoe, and it said, courage is fear who has said its prayers. Amen. And she was saying a similar thing of what you just said of it's, we're going to feel those things, but it's, do we trust that God's going to catch us when we take those steps? And he always does. He just always does. And I don't know why I, I always get back to that place of fear. It's my flesh, but he just, he honors it and just joins us and loves us so well through that. So thank you for sharing that, Allison. Oh, you're so welcome. So welcome. Okay, Allison, at the end of every episode, I ask every guest two fun questions. Are you ready? Uh, I think I'm ready. <laughs> okay, I'm switching it up this time. I think I think unpopular opinions are hilarious. So, would you give us an unpopular opinion of yours? Golly, you know I don't. Oh my goodness, I don't know if I have. I don't know if I have a totally unpopular opinion, but I I know that there. I think one of the odd things about me, or I I, I find that it's odd because people tell me, "Wow, this is." Everybody has done this or seen this. I have literally never seen a full episode of The Bachelor or Survivor ever. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's an unpopular opinion. Right? Is that opinion. unpopular? Yeah. It's not an unpopular opinion. It's like an unpopular act. Can I but say, Allison, I haven't either. You haven't? <laughs> oh, my I gosh. I guess it's both of, both of our unpopular opinion today. We're unicorns, you and, We're unicorns. You and me. <laughs> wow. That's what comes to mind. I know it's a little bit weird, but I love that. That's what hops to my brain there. Okay, and then people always ask for fun facts, and I heard someone the other day on a podcast ask for a boring fact, and I thought it was so fun to hear That's something cute. normal about someone. So pressure is off. This doesn't okay. have to be fun. Just tell us a couple of boring facts about Allison. Um, well, I'm five foot twelve, as I told you. So I roll at six feet. I don't know well, if that's boring, but I'll let it pass. Okay, will you let it pass? Okay, <laughs> let's see. Okay, let's see. Boring, boring, boring. Um, I don't adore my hair. Is that's kind of boring and like right garden, garden yeah, variety? Yeah. Um, it it cannot make of its mind whether it's curly, frizzy, or straight. It's all at the same time. It's not good. <laughs> it's a unicorn too. It is a unicorn, and I'm uh, boring. I um, I don't. Let's see. I don't absorb uh, vitamin D or iron very well. <laughs> that was the best one, right? Is that the best? Is that good? Iron or vitamin D? Okay, I have iron know. and vitamin D malabsorption, so to wow. speak. Wow, malabsorption. That's our boring fact of the day. I love it. I love it. Well, Allison. I just want to thank you so much for coming on the show today and for just giving us some good wisdom. Would you pray for us? Yeah. 
I would love it. I would love it. <sighs> Father, I thank you so much. Um, I thank you for your love, your presence, your care. I thank you, Father, that for anyone listening right now who feels um, like, hey, I live my life in character shoes and I don't know how to stop. Father, I pray that you would come to their hearts and just gently invite them to take them off and to live this life out journeying with you. I also pray specifically, Lord, for anybody who feels like they don't have a place. Lord, it's just such an unspoken, um, painful place. And so, so many of us need you to constantly go to Lodabar and bring us to the King's table. Father, I pray for anybody who is dealing significantly with rejection. I pray that you would let them know that they're accepted in the beloved today and every day in Christ. And Father, I pray for anybody finally who's just listening and going, um, I, I get and understand uh, the things that are being said, but I just don't know about this Jesus. I just, I just don't know about this Jesus. Father, in the most um, creative way, would you reveal your, yourself? Just like you did to a kid in Katy, Texas through a pop musical so many years ago. I pray that you would reach the hearts of listeners and that you would bless Laura Lee and this whole generation that's coming up and, and calling folks to shine for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Allison. You're so welcome. It's been a delight. What words of wisdom from Allison today about stepping into the spotlight God has for us and letting our light shine. This is the part of the show where we open the Word of God and let Scripture bring light to the truth. I believe that the Bible is breathed out by God and given to us so that we may know God and learn of His great love for us. It's how we grow in God. So why does growing in God matter? As followers of Christ, we want to know Jesus deeply. The more we know Jesus, the more we are motivated to let His character shine in all areas of our lives. Spiritual growth comes from understanding. It's not rules and behavior modification, it's life change. As we learn about our good Father and live out our salvation with obedience to the One who has rescued us. So here on the podcast, I like to spend some time at the end of each episode breaking down a passage of scripture. I love his word, and God has changed my life and my faith through reading it and knowing him more through it. It doesn't have to be scary. I will argue that it's often the most exciting part of my day. It's amazing to get to know God. Our conversation today has led me to Jesus's words on light found in this passage in the book of Matthew in chapter 5. If you have a Bible nearby, open it up with me as we read together. Matthew chapter 5 verses 14 through 16. Jesus says, You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. To understand and learn about the scriptures, I like to follow the SOAP method. 
SOAP simply stands for Scripture, Observation, Application, and Prayer. Like any book, story, or letter, it's hard to understand a paragraph in the middle of a chapter of a book without knowing about where they're coming from. Context gives us information about why God says these words and helps us interpret what they mean for our understanding of God and application to our life and faith. So starting with some context of this passage, hang with me while I give you some details that add beautiful meaning to this scripture. Matthew is the first of the four gospel accounts. The gospels are the books of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You might be asking, what does the word gospel mean? Gospel, the word itself, comes from a Greek word, angelion, which literally means good news. In the New Testament, they are the announcement that Jesus has brought the reign of God to our world through his life, death, and resurrection from the dead. They are written so that you would know and believe in Jesus as the Messiah, the Savior, and that you would have a real and tangible encounter with him. The author of the first gospel is Matthew, a tax collector. They were not the most well-liked people in society, but Jesus had called him to be his disciple. Matthew was writing to a predominantly Jewish audience, which makes how he writes this account important. Matthew's gospel is most closely linked to the Old Testament and to the prophecies concerning the coming of the Messiah. Matthew's central theme is promise and fulfillment how God's promises in the Hebrew scriptures to bring salvation to his people Israel and to the whole world were fulfilled with the coming of Jesus the Messiah. Matthew displaying these promises fulfilled is confirmation of the truth of the gospel message. The church's response then to this joyful news should be to go into the world and to make disciples of Jesus Christ. The church represents the true people of God made up of both Jews and Gentiles, who have embraced Jesus as the Messiah and accepted his message of the kingdom of God. So here we are in chapter 5, we find Jesus giving the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus sits down and delivers the greatest sermon message ever spoken, telling the people how to live their lives for God. He starts in chapter 5 by teaching them what is known as the Beatitudes, or the nature and characteristics of the people of God's kingdom, how to live like Jesus, and how this is the way to a truly blessed life. He then goes on to call his disciples to display their discipleship to the world. He uses some analogies that demonstrate the value and the call of their lives as kingdom carriers. He first says, you are the salt of the earth. In Jesus' day, salt was of high value. It was precious to the people. He was saying you are to be a preserving influence in the culture, adding value and flavor to the world around you. It is here where we find the call from Jesus to his followers to be the light in the world. He says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. Listener, you were made in the image of God. In Genesis 1, the very beginning of the whole world, when God established creation, it says He created us and created us in His image to reflect Him, to give Him glory, to shine light. 
Jesus gives light as an identity. He says, you are. When we confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, we step into this identity. We have a responsibility. It leads me to ask, in what ways are you hiding your light? Settling for small or shrinking back in fear? We were not created to hide in the dark or to keep the light for ourselves. Lamps are placed higher so their light can be more effective, more purposeful. We should look for ways to let our light shine. We are not only light receivers, but light givers. This means taking our eyes off of ourselves and shining that light in the places and spaces we find ourselves in each and every day. We were made to matter, to live bright lives, illuminating the world around us and watching God move. Jesus says, so let your light shine before others so that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. The purpose of shining our light is not about us. It's so that people glorify the Father in heaven. When people see that light in action, it leads them to give God the glory. Jesus wanted the people of his kingdom to live visible lives that attracted attention to the beauty of God's work in their life. Through loving people, serving them, walking out the ways of Jesus, living in the light, you can shine brightly in this world, friend. As always, I'm going to close us in prayer. Father, thank you that you call us to shine. Thank you that you have given us the responsibility to be the light in the world. Help us, Father, to walk in the ways of Jesus, to look for opportunities to bring light and to step into our purpose in you. God, I pray for the listener on the other side of this podcast. Help them to see themselves the way you see them. I ask for new understanding of what it means to be a light in the world. Give them hunger for the truth, and may they feel loved by you today. In Jesus' holy name, amen. Friend, thanks for listening. I hope that you enjoyed today's episode as much as I did. Hearing from artists and creatives and learning about their love for the Lord has encouraged me, so I hope that it does the same for you. Be sure and subscribe to the podcast, and if you're loving it, leave a rating and a short review. Guys, word of mouth is powerful. I challenge you to share the show with one friend today. Head over to the episode, copy the link, and send it, post it, share it somehow. God is on the move in big ways, in small places. Let's be a part of what He is doing. Did you know I send out a weekly email newsletter? Head over to the show description and subscribe to my email list to be the first to hear about new episodes and to get each week's show notes and scripture and a few updates, as always, from me, Laura Lee. A big thanks to Mike Stapleton and Helen Kemeny for the original music heard on the show. And thanks to Colleen Bruton for editing. Go in love and light, friend, and I'll talk to you soon.